It's a mullet. It's a mullet. You have a mullet? Oh. Can I have a beer while we're doing this? That's lovely. Is it okay if I paint while we're doing this? Yeah, that's actually that'd be great. I watch a I watch a movie. I'm not I'm not watching the movie. I'm <laughs> drawing or yeah, painting. That's ADHD. I think most people would agree that our next guest is a Renaissance man. Would you agree, Meg? I would agree. He was involved in the early Canadian graffiti movement back in the early 90s. He has become a staple in the Winnipeg art scene. He has worked with international graffiti legends like Ernie Velez and C. Adams, to name a few. In 1998, he co-founded the Graffiti Art Gallery, which has showcased more than 700 emerging artists which he is currently the artistic director for. He graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts from the University of Manitoba. He has been part of many really cool initiatives supporting countless numbers of charities. He's a tattoo artist, a handyman, a dog lover, but I think he will agree that his greatest title is that of Proud Father. Welcome to the podcast, Pat Lazo. Hi. Thanks for having me. So I will. I probably, there's probably a lot more that I didn't add. I probably left out a bunch of stuff, but uh, we can touch on that because you're always doing something. And I know, I know for me, when things are chaotic, that's calming. When things are, <laughs> when things are a little slowed down, it's like, that's when I get a little restless. Is that the case for you? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. We should note 100%. that he's painting right now while we're recording this podcast. That's true. Yeah. So he's, he's doing, he's yeah. drinking a beer, he's painting and, uh, and doing a podcast. So that's ADHD. Mm-hmm. Well, have you ever heard of the, it's called the ideas podcast. It's a CBC podcast. Have you ever heard of it? No. So they have a episode called neurodiversity and the myth of normal. And they talk about the gene that the DRD4 gene, that gene is what kind of controls, uh, our dopamine It influences dopamine. So we have uh, a version of that, which is the seven R gene. They call it the rock star gene. You, I don't know if you've ever heard of like people with ADHD have the, like the rock star gene or like the restless gene Yeah, gets us like for, I, I know, like, I think Pat's a little bit like me where it's like, we're, we're constantly doing something and we're just, we can't sit still and, uh, and stuff like that. Is that kind of how you are? I can't sit still for a very long time. Or if I am sitting, then I, I have to be doing multiple things. Like I'll send one or two emails maximum, and then I'll get up and I'll walk around the gallery and then I need to do something. Then I'll go back and then do another email or whatnot, but it's, it's challenging that way. Well, you were, so you like, like both of us, you were diagnosed in your, in adulthood, like quite not that long ago right february oh wow yeah yeah i didn't i had no idea and then i i, I looked into it and i was like oh wow because well, a friend of mine had had been assessed in her 30s a co-worker and then her father who was a professor and a doctor saw the self-assessment and then he said wait a second then he got assessed and he is in his 60s and he just recently got diagnosed like as of like last year or a couple of years or something like that so when i heard that i was like oh that might be something i you know should look into that's probably me yeah, yeah. well what was that what was your reaction when you found out it's almost um a relief or something like because uh like i always feel like i've always felt like even in my own friend group different you know like di like as a, you know but so it kind of it kind of makes sense like i think 
Yeah, it's like a weird sense of belonging. Yeah. When I first heard your first one, remember when I, I called you and I left you that crazy message and I was like, oh my God, other people have this too. For me, yeah. yeah. Well, that was kind of like, I think I've I've always looked, uh, looked up to you, Pat, because uh, like, I feel like we're very similar in the sense of like, we're, we're just always constantly trying to do different things. And I always felt different, but I really tried to fit into like this, this, these groups when I was there and I feel like you've always kind of and maybe this is just from a perception but you've always kind of just did your own thing right you always like I'm gonna do this and and I don't care what anyone thinks yeah sort of yeah 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 definitely I I have less of a dependency on yeah outside approval like and it, it just it it just feels right for me to be doing a bunch of things but it makes it hard to focus like you know when I have to hunker down and like do something that has got a serious timeline and like that sort of thing so especially with like at a not-for-profit with deadlines and stuff for funding i was terrible with that kind of stuff like i'm not at all like a very good administrator you know like i'm poor at that you know that's probably not going to be good for uh, for my linkedin to have this. <laughs> well i think that's kind of what we're trying to change here is that there's things that we're really really good at and if we're allowed to do those things and not bogged down by the stuff that is is very challenging. We'll see a lot, lot more innovation and, and creativity come out of those people because that's really, I think, what's happening right now. As you see, yeah, are put into these. It's environment, right? At the end of the day, if your your environment is not working for you, that's the difference between success and and not succeeding. Yeah, yeah. I, I I can agree with that, and the the interest in the tasks it varies so much. If I if I can get enthused about something, I could get I can you know just hyper focus and like like I will not be defeated by this thing. You know, like I, it's sort of a, a friend of mine. I was I had him over. This is a funny story. I had him over for dinner one Friday one one Friday night last summer, and we were putting together. I was I had been putting together the the plumbing for the for our stock tank pool in the backyard. It's like an eight foot round pool with like. But I bought a a pool pump from a thirty foot in ground pool, and I put it in there, and it's like so it was it was like overpowered, like overkill for sure. But but my, I had my friend over for dinner, and I was like I had been to McMunn and Yates to buy plumbing parts so many times I was like oh god I'm not gonna be defeated by this thing you know I'm not I'm tomorrow's supposed to be 35 out me and Owen are going swimming tomorrow (laughs) like there's not there's no way that I'm gonna that I'm gonna be defeated so I figured out how I could Frankenstein these parts together and and not have to go to McMunn and Yates while I was cooking dinner for my friend who I hadn't seen in like in months and he's like I'm like, do you mind following me while I go back and forth to the garage? And so we can just keep our conversation going. And like, and it was funny because he mentioned, and he's, and he's a doctor and he's, and he was like, he's, uh, this is really interesting. You're like, so hyper-focused on this, like almost in an Asperger's way, you know, like, and, and this is last year, last year, like, but I was still keeping conversation and figuring out this, this plumbing situation and then cooking the cooking the steaks medium rare you know it wasn't a super complicated meal or anything but but yeah it was it was just funny like i know this guy's coming for dinner you know i could have put the stuff down but i just i wouldn't have it i'm like we're going swimming tomorrow it's gonna take all night to fill it's gonna you know like we're swimming tomorrow it's gonna be 30 out (laughs) well that probably i know from like uh i'm i do that quite often and it drives Lindsay insane because 
it's like I and then if somebody interrupts me while I'm trying trying to do that stuff, I just get so irritated, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you found anything that is more difficult since you started taking medication? More difficult? Um, I don't know. I find I'm, I mean, I found myself being creative for the medication. Still, I f still find myself being creative, but like, I'm not sure about more difficult. I guess when I got, when I first got diagnosed, my doctor said to me, you know, just letting you know that there's a lot of things that you're probably really, really good at right now that you might not be as good at yeah. when you take this. That's interesting. I wonder, I wonder what that might be for me, if that's the case. Cause I, before I, I was wondering what was going on in my head when I started looking into this. I was like, before I go to bed is like when my head is going crazy and I'm in the studio, like I would come in at 10 o'clock after Owen goes to sleep and then start doing something but my things don't get start rolling the momentum to make something or do get get it started doesn't happen right away you know so so it starts going and then before I go to bed it's like one or two o'clock and I'm like I, I started writing down the last the last thoughts in my head while I'm making something and then just to track what I was thinking and I, I can't remember what it was I was making but I ended up going downstairs to get a tool getting a piece of plexiglass and like oh I could use this for this thing another project that I had and then because I had found a scrap and I was like and then I ended up having this list I had two like full size like full size sheets like just with all the thoughts in the last 15 minutes before trying to go to sleep and then I did it again the next night and I'm just like oh this is this can't be like I think I have to check this out like I think it it's now so I called my my neighbor who's a nurse practitioner and she said that there was a self-assessment thing that you can do and then and then you do it with your doctor and then they can you know you go see them and, and um see what the best options are yeah, and across the board like i was just like yeah just like forgetting things you know walk into a room forget what you came in there for i think i'm but i it seems like i yeah i do that all the time like but do you know which uh like which type of adhd you have no no so there's the so one's inattentive one's hyperactive and then one's combined so I have combined, but my, so it's a, the spectrum is like a wheel, right? And so my, mm -hmm. where I like go through the roof is the hyperactivity, like uh, impulse control. And so for me, it's like, if I have something that's like releasing dopamine in my head, I just yeah. chase that. And so I will just, I'll do that for hours and hours and hours and it's, yeah. I can't stop it. And I'll, and, but then while I'm doing that, I'm also now doing 50 things and like what you said where you go down to get a tool like I've I remember the other day I was sweeping something and I had to go get the dustpan and an hour or so later I was downstairs rearranging and cleaning up all the stuff because I couldn't find the dustpan and then I started organizing all the tools to go to the to the uh, Salvation Army. <laughs> oh my god. And I, they're all downstairs and I came up and I was like oh yeah I'm looking for the dustpan because the pile of dirt was on the floor yeah and i was like completely forgot that that's what i went to go do oh yeah i, I yeah i end up creating projects going to get oh i was it, it's it's like cool because you're like thinking i'm like oh i have this this would be perfect for that at the gallery i was so it happens at work but i've got access to these tools and like i could just whip that up and like oh i just made a cart to like bring my big bench that i just built over here by myself so i don't have to ask anyone to help me or and now we could use to move furniture and I, you know like oh i can't have those casters that i've been hoarding for like two or three years
years, you know, like I just put in the corner and collecting dust, you know, like that's funny about the collect. Like I save, and I don't know if you do this too, Meg, but like I'll save so many things because I'm like, well, I could use this for something. I try to bring stuff to like donation because it's like, okay, let's get rid of all this stuff. But then I go to the donation and start buying, ooh, I could use this. I can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, casters are <laughs> like everything. Yeah. yeah, you know how much casters are? I'm like, they're so expensive. Do yeah, even like brackets for shelves. I always find, oh. I find those. I'm like, oh, I stack those up. Yeah. It's like, yeah. we should start a ADHD swap meet. And it's like all these oh, yeah, yeah, things yeah. we have. Like, let's okay. <laughs> I got casters. Who needs casters? I got this. I got that. I have a question. Ninety-eight. You met uh, Stephen Steve Wilson. Tell us about uh, who that is, and, and tell us about that. I was working at a skateboard shop, and I was in I was in art school at the time. A friend of mine uh, called the shop and said, "Hey, Pat, check this out. There's like a poster that says like looking for graffiti artists. If you think you have skills with a can, you know, call this number." And then uh, so I called him and asked if he was a cop. Turns out he wasn't a cop but he was a penitentiary off like a corrections officer at stoney and he just like he wanted to do something more proactive and work with people like different place you know like not not so far into the system that kind of thing and, and uh really and try and make a difference right so he uh so he re i reached out to him and then i met him and we we started doing paintings and murals and stuff like that and then we and then it turns out that all the kids the kids from the neighborhood we were in Elmwood a lot of those kids like like to do what we were doing like they wanted to paint and draw and stuff so we saw we ended up moving to Higgins and we and we saw that the kids were like hanging on the train going over the bridge on the train and coming down the CP main line where we were on Higgins and they would jump off and then like come to hang out at the gallery we're like oh that's freaking dangerous and then the kids from from North Point Douglas would walk over the tracks and come to come to us where we were, which is like a semi-industrial area. It was like, I guess, considered low track before for sex trafficking and like, but yeah, long, long gone are those days. We started art programming at the, at the gallery because the kids had nothing to do after 3.30. So we offered free after school art programming. Yeah. And that's how, that's kind of how we started. Well, you, um, you also did, uh, I know you worked with on that Churchill project with Cal. Yes. Seawalls Pangea Seed and Seawalls Churchill. Seawalls was like, was like a project, I guess, to raise awareness about uh, environmental. So they, they get artists of, um, from international uh, mural artists to, to do murals for no money and um but they'll fly them to the, all these places and then take them there and then you know house them and, and that and it, it helps raise awareness for the for the cause of the like in the environment and um that was like raising awareness about the sea ice returning a lot later in the year and, and that sort of thing that was a that was a fun project yeah because there's a bunch of artists that were involved in that eh? yeah 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 a lot and uh like from Germany and all Spain and all over the place. It was great. Oh, wow. Speaking of Cal, the Goodwill Social Club, you were part of a mural that's in the back that's still there. And you oh, yeah, yeah. drew your son, right? Yeah. 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 Which is which is great. And I guess that's the question I was going to ask because our sons are pretty close to the same age. They're both, yeah. uh, my wife calls them 50-50s, so they're half Filipino, yeah. half license yeah half Métis. but um <laughs> yeah but they're very similar i watch uh owen on uh your the instagram and bison and they're 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 quite alike and so yeah 
Uh, I guess my question is, do you see a lot of like the traits of ADHD uh, in, in your son? I do. I do. And like, uh, do you? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I do. Like, I mean, there's the emotional part, but I mean, he's also very young, right? So I don't like, but then there's the hard to stay focused on something. It, it's good now that people are, are understanding what this is and, and that, like, if, if, the, if the case is that that's, that's what it is, then at least like we'd have something to go on, you know, like, and how to, how to adapt to teaching and working with that. Yeah. Well, that was my, my main concern. I think when I was diagnosed and learning that there's a genetic component to this is yeah absolutely so that's really why i started doing this but it's it's also therapeutic like Meg and i talked about like just talking about it and like talking yeah. hard to to explain that to somebody who doesn't understand that your brain is yeah. going constantly but if we're doing something we love it's like the best yeah. thing ever so and so i yeah. see in my son a lot of the, the those traits, but I see a lot of those really good traits of like being creative and and yeah. being a bit defiant. Those types of things, especially now, like with you guys kind of having this understanding of it while they're so young, you can actually nurture it too and bring on so much other stuff that like we weren't, would it ever have been considered in my family that I had it when yeah, I was younger. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I mean, I'm like, how did I not even think, consider this at all? I have a full-time job, but meanwhile, I want to, I always knew I had to paint, I had to do something, like I have to be creative, I have to make something. Otherwise, I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Tattooing, paint, like even just building stuff like when the pandemic happened and part of my identity is sort of like putting on art shows at the gallery you know i've been there for 25 years and, and then to not have art shows for three years what like what am i gonna do so i i bought a sewing machine i started carving a spoon i bought like 200 bucks in carving knives and like i ended up buying like bandsaw and like a chop saw and all this is like so i could start making spoon blank like these little sculptures that i'm doing you know and then whatever and then electronic i started Oh, I want to make a, I'm painting mural. I don't have a Bluetooth speaker. I could just buy a Bluetooth speaker, but I'm like, I have old car parts. Like I, I could like car speakers. I'm like, I'm going to make a, a Bluetooth speaker yet to finish it because I wanted to attach my DeWalt tool batteries to it, all this stuff. But, but yeah, but it, it just like, I, I don't know. The, the, that's what I've had to kind of let go of. It's like when I would do a lot of these things that were kind of like considered a waste of time. It was like, then I would feel a little bit depressed after because it was like, well, what did it accomplish? But I think learning that like it accomplished me doing something I was excited about in that moment. And then at some point, maybe I won't like it anymore and I'll go to the next thing. Yeah. No, and I like learning new things. Like I picked up hockey, I started playing hockey at 38 years old. Yeah, the best. It's like it's like one of the only things I'm physically getting better at every time I go, like at 46 years old, you know? Well, like, we mentioned, we talked about you being a tattooist and yeah. uh, you started, when you started tattooing maybe... 2007? Because I was one of your, I'll say guinea pig. It was one of your first yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, things. And you, yeah, did, one of them, you yeah. did a good job. You did my... Uh, you did a tattoo, first ever tattoo, actually, yeah, under my arm. Yeah, and you're, so you're still doing that. Yeah, I'm at Osborne Village, Inc. on Osborne. Yeah, yeah just, just Saturdays. Well, I think you mentioned the pandemic, too, because I think that is really a, a, the catalyst for a lot of people, one, discovering that they had this disorder because they were able to be in create their own environments for some of them, right? Because you were at home. Yeah. And you needed to do, and yeah. also, like, I need to do something. 
And that was for me, it was like, I, I was diagnosed through the pandemic because it was my, well, my niece got diagnosed and then my sister. And then I always kind of suspected <laughs> there was something, yeah. but the, yeah. the pandemic, because there was so much awareness through the pandemic, because everyone's executive functioning just went to shit. Right. And so people were like, What's yeah, going yeah, on? yeah. And so we, we, we were learning more about it, but like my mind's yeah. like a, like, ping, 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 like a pinball machine. Yeah. Right. It's like constant. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I thought it, I, I heard this one popcorn thoughts. It's just like, pop, 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 like, it's like just before. And that's what it's like when it, before going to bed and you're just like, Holy cow. Like add that to the term bank. Yeah, we have we have an analogy. Uh, what's would you call it? The term bank. The term uh, bank. Yeah. So like, do you use a lot of analogies? Uh, yeah, yeah, sort of. Well, I mean, the popcorn thing. <laughs> so it's like uh, it's just like that's how the thoughts come into my head, and I'm just like I can't yeah. stop. Well, because that's kind of what I guess, and probably we use a lot of analogies because we're really trying to explain what's going on with us and so yeah you can't just say like things are going crazy in my head it's like we have to give them a, a visual example of what is going on so they can say oh okay yeah no no and you know what it, and it's and it's it's shitty because like you know some people just like oh is it your adhd is it like are you looking for an excuse have you watched that the disruptors documentary no yeah it's on Apple TV. It's really good, especially like when you watch it, it gives you the sense of relief. And I guess, and this would be probably one of my last questions because it kind of relates to that. And I think they, they, they allude to it or somebody says something in this, but if someone told you right now that you, they could make your traits of ADHD go away, you'd be like a neurotypical person. Would you, what would you, what would you say to that? Fuck no. No, there's no way. Once I know how to utilize it and use it to my advantage, it's now, it's an asset. Yeah. When you watch that documentary, The Disruptors, the people in that, uh, uh, an astronaut and actors and comedians and all these people talking mm -hmm. about it, they wouldn't been able to do yeah. those things if they didn't have these traits, right? And I think that, that's why I think there's a lot yeah. more people that probably have this, but they're in the right environment. Like yeah. you have Justin Timberlake. Or you have Michael yeah. Phelps, or you have like uh, Richard Branson. They're doing what they love, and it does. It's not. It's not hindering them. It's actually benefiting them. Yeah, and and like to be like to be totally honest, like I'm super thankful that that my boss when he, I told him about my diagnosis, and then he researched on how to work, how to work with keep me on task, how to work with someone with ADHD, and because like creative problem solving is, I love doing that. Yeah. Like people come to me and like ask me to like put out fires all the time it was like building things fixing fixing things that like i've never fixed before but like i mean it's this isn't rocket science we can figure it out you know like it's probably a youtube video and then well we're res resilient right i think resilience is the is one of the big things because i think especially being an adult with, with like late diagnosis you've gone through all of these like traumas or or things in your life that like you got past it and, and it's allowing you to be a little bit more resilient. Yeah. I think since, since having the whole experience of the NICU with my son, I, that's like been the, I'm like, I could be on the verge of bawling. I just hear like, there's a hospital scene and like, I hear the beep going and then I'm just, I'm like right back there, you know, because like I just sat in front of his isolate for 115 days. So like, I can hear that thing, you know, like. Well, that's, I mean, you have, you have so much appreciation, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. But it's sometimes the emotions get the best of us, but 
it's uh but yeah for me it's just yeah. learning uh learning how to manage my own emotions and knowing how important it is because yeah. i was emotionally immature right i remember being in meetings with people yeah. and just it'd be like there's a running joke that uh, you get donovan in a red room and he's gonna go off <laughs> it was like it was like and it was embarrassing i'd be like well why do i do that what's why am i why can't i control that yeah. right and it was uh and also knowing more about myself, I can really empathize with other people and say, yeah. okay, they're... And what, what did it take for you to to come to an understanding about about emotional immaturity? Like, did you see a therapist? What what was it? The, the under, knowing how uh, those type of little traumas could affect your kid, like, and that's like, by, by just yelling, yeah. and you thinking that's one yell, like stop that yeah. or whatever, you do that over and over and over, then those are yeah they're going to internalize the it. Yeah, and so that really the funny one was that I bought I started buying this. It was called a little spot of for my kids, and it was how to manage uh, your emotions. And it was like you get this thing, and it was like here's feelings and here's emotions. And I didn't know they were two separate things. I thought yeah yeah, <laughs> and I'm 45. Yeah, learning what feelings and emotions are you can't really control a feeling but you can control your emotion yeah and so i was like oh and i was teaching my kids this yeah. <laughs> i was like okay diane elber i believe is uh it's on it's on the website there's the books are okay. on there i'm just uh, yeah i'm glad to hear uh i'm not the only one <laughs> and it's like the more that i look into it people you know you went i went out for wings after hockey one night and then and then somebody who's like oh yeah i, I have it i've been taking medication all my life you know and then i stopped taking it and i think i'm going to get back on it now you know like uh because you know he, he can he can recognize when they start to like lose focus and and in, in their work right i was like oh i was appreciative of the conversation you know and like he's like but I, yeah. I, he's like i've never told anyone that i didn't tell my work that i didn't he's like he's like i'm telling you you know like so just, yeah that because it's stigma right and i think for me now i just i tell everybody yeah <laughs> everyone who will listen yeah and it, I wear it on my my sleeve because it, for me, it's a bit of an advocacy thing because yeah. I, I I see that our educational system is still putting kids uh, in these environments that, to me, is somewhat abusive. When you have a kid that can't sit in a chair and you're making them sit in this chair for hours yeah. and they're getting in trouble because think about you're just they're they're a bomb ready to go yeah. off and and they're disruptive and so they they're, they're then they're kicked out of the class so then they're not yeah. learning or they're treated yeah. with all these and that's still yeah happening. and it gets compounded it gets compounded like year after you know the more that that and then yeah. and then that that follows you right so so for me it's the more i talk about it the more people can say oh maybe i have this yeah. right yeah well i i couldn't i couldn't be if it wasn't for like the creative aspect of what I do at the gallery, I wouldn't be there if I didn't have those opportunities, you know, and I get to work with amazing artists and that, that stuff. And then, and, and then kids, when a youth like, Oh, I'm really into this stuff. Like I'm into art. And then like 10 years later, like you see them and they're like doing it, you know, that's pretty cool. It's like this one, this one kid I taught in 2001, I did a workshop at St. Norbert and then I ran into him at a, he was painting a mural with, uh, as an assistant with this, with this other artist. You're Pat Lazo? I'm like, yep. I, uh, I did a workshop with you in 2001 
and uh yeah you got the first can of spray paint in my hand and like now i do this and do this and like and i'm in finishing art school and like i'm just like oh cool you know like yeah he, he remembered me i was like oh wow that's crazy so, but that's why you do it too right like and and that's like the exciting thing is just like you get to change people's lives whether you whether it's significant or or not it, i think that's why why that's what for me you need to do those things to to be happy every yeah day. yeah like if it, it was for if it was for salary i would have been yeah not 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 in a not-for-profit yeah. not in a not-for-profit setting yeah. well that's it i think this has been great so thanks for doing it yeah cool yeah thank you so much pat it was great talking to you again i'm seeing you in forever yeah you too Oh,